How'd you get to your planet, Nareem? None of that really matters. Magic. Yeah. Space magic. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate-gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. Hello. How are you? Okay, how are you? Also okay. I'm <sighs> tired. Yeah. Pretty much always tired, but we're almost always recording at night. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Yesterday was a really long day, too, because I made the ill-advised decision to donate platelets in the morning, which that's not ill-advised. That's a good thing to do. And then I went and got a tattoo in the evening, and then I guested on somebody else's podcast, and then I had to record some lectures for Gateway, and then I had to finish editing this podcast. And it was a very long day. That is a very long day. <laughs> also, you shouldn't donate platelets right before getting a tattoo. But Yeah, oh that well. seems like a bad idea. Yep. But here we yeah, are. But my scheduling was bad, and both the tattoo appointment and the platelet donation appointment were annoying to reschedule, so I didn't. <laughs> I just did both. <laughs> <laughs> and today I'm paying for it, because I'm really tired, and everything is kind of sore, and and yeah, here we are. Womp womp. Yep. That's my day. How are you? Okay. I, I don't know. I'm just... <sighs> So many things going on. It's just overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> I for sure know that feeling. Yeah. So tell it's us all, more about it. It's also well. It's also all doom and gloom. So I don't want to bring oh. everyone down. Oh, no. Because it's just you know, the house stuff and family stuff and just oh. all kinds of things. You know. Yeah. Well, I know That's... some of the family stuff, but I mean the house stuff sounds like it's going okay from what it's, you've told me. Has something gone like wrong? It's, no, it's not. No, I just don't enjoy the. Uh, waiting and the uncertainty oh well yeah i for sure understand that yeah i just live in like constant fear that something's gonna go wrong (laughs) yeah sadly that is the house buying process so we'll see we'll see i did find out the roof is not as young as they told us but younger than the inspection person thought it was so that was good ish awesome yeah like i can live with a 10-year-old roof. Yeah, that's not so bad. It's better than the 20 years or so that they told you, right? Yeah. Although, the way the inspector was talking about the roof, like, he seemed pretty certain, so I'm like, did they use old shingles or something? Because he was talking about how shingles age and things, and I'm like, I don't know. Or maybe we're just having shitty weather, and it ages things prematurely. Who knows? do for sure get a lot of shitty weather (laughs) (laughs) where we are living here in Connecticut, so Yeah. yeah. I find that very plausible. Although you'd think that he would recognize Connecticut. Yeah. Shingle aging. Who knows? (laughs) That's a sentence. And then I called my brother, my older brother, yesterday, because he knows way more about building houses and also buying them, because he is involved in both of those things. And he was like, ah, contractors or inspectors are just trying to cover their asses. So all this stuff they recommended, it's fine. But you don't have to do everything. <laughs> I was like, okay, thank you. <laughs> Oops. Sorry, my my fort is falling apart. Hang on one second. I guess I didn't duct tape that pole. I'll have to rectify that later. Poor shame. I know. It's not leaning over or anything like it had been before I employed duct tape. But Duct tape is wondrous. It 
is. And it comes in all kinds of fun colors now. Like yeah. the duct tape on this thing is pink. It's wonderful. That is fun. fantastic. Yeah, there's all kinds of fun duct tape. The duct tape that I have in here that I'm using mostly staples to hold up my soundproofing now, but I've also got some of it reinforced with duct tape, and it's got white and black sheepies on a black background. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it is awesome. I think yeah. so, too. Yeah. So, Mary, what yeah. was that podcast you were on about? It was actually, it was a lot of fun. The name of the podcast is called Just Doing Life, and there are apparently like three of them, but the one that I was on specifically has the description, growing up in an age filled with highlight reels, ultra-famous 15-year-olds, and billionaire TikTok stars, it can be easy to feel like you're behind on the path to success. That's the the start of the description. It's actually a kind of long description, so I won't read the whole thing necessarily right now, but if anybody wants to try to find the episode that I'm on, that is the specific description. And essentially, it is a podcast about just different career paths and life paths that people have taken that are not necessarily the traditional, like, you know, get a job shortly after college and stay in that job mostly for your entire career. So it was really interesting being interviewed by somebody and kind of like reflecting back on all of the ridiculously high number of different things that I have done over the years (laughs) in my various endeavors. So it was fun. And that episode is going to be posted on Monday the 21st, which will have actually been a couple days before this episode we're recording now will have come out. So should already be up in case anyone is interested in learning more about me. And why wouldn't you be? I'm fascinating. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Woo. Cheers. It was weird to be talking about myself because normally when I'm talking to people for an extended period of time, it is for science reasons or Stargate (laughs) reasons. Right. So to just talk to somebody for like almost an hour exclusively about me was weird. (laughs) Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In today's podcast. I'm guessing we are not talking about me, but we can if we'd like to. But I'm guessing we're here for something else. Um, we could. I mean, you could maybe maybe you're Schrodinger. Dream. <gasps> I, don't know. I am Schrodinger. Who told my secret? <laughs> so we are going to be talking about you. <laughs> oh, I was so delighted and how to use uh, how Nareem used him as the canary in the coal mine in this episode. <laughs> I know. So shitty, but I was still delighted to see him. Anyway, what is this episode that Schrodinger was in? <laughs> this episode is Stargate SG1 Season 3, Episode 15, Pretense. 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 I'm just saying pretense in different ways because I'm weird. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'm like, oh, why don't I have notes for this? Because I never took notes for this. I watched this episode. <laughs> During my platelet donation, so I didn't take notes <laughs> because I had a needle in both arms. Excellent. And so we're going to see how this goes. I do at least have the transcript, so I'm not like at a total loss here, but I just hope <laughs> I remember all the things that I was like, oh, I hope I remember to say that. I hope I remember to say I this. So. I didn't we'll feel like I had a lot to say about this episode, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll yeah. see how it goes. The episode starts in a space battle. There is a glider doing battle with a couple huge Gua'uld motherships. There's all kinds of space battle noises, which always annoys me because <laughs> sound doesn't travel in a vacuum, but that would also make these kinds of scenes way more boring. So I'm very conflicted yeah. <laughs> in my feelings about space battles. But generally, I appreciate that there were explosions and exciting things happening. 
we see the the motherships destroyed and the glider crashes to the planet there's a bunch of people in the background watching this happen and they rush over to the glider after it has crashed and out comes Skara. <gasps> He's been very badly injured and he asks the people that come running up to help him. And that is it for the intro. We then get <laughs> credits. I cannot talk today. Wow. That's okay. <laughs> I forget how to use words. Proper use of words is overrated anyway. It really is. I've done a lot of talking today in my defense. Oh, well... I can talk for the both of us. No, Yay. I can't. I can't, it's, actually. No. I was going to say, will this just be the all Kathy show? I'm fine with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Probably most of our listeners would be, too, since I tend to drone on about science stuff. <laughs> no. Everyone loves the science stuff. True. At least I'll keep telling myself that, anyway. The small sampling of feedback that we've gotten has indicated that everyone is pro-Mary talking about science. This is true, and I love that feedback, so thank you to all of you who have sent in (laughs) that feedback, or any feedback, even if it didn't talk about me specifically. I guess that's also fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now it's just all about me, now that I've been interviewed in another podcast. It's all about me, me, me. Well, make sure you insert yourself into every scene in this show. I for sure will. After credits... We are in the gate room where alarm is blaring. The alarm. (sighs) I'm glad I'm not the only one having trouble with words. (laughs) I always have trouble. In the gate room after credits, the alarm is blaring throughout the SGC and soldiers are rushing in with weapons pointed towards the gate. So clearly they're not expecting these visitors who may be coming. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition! Up in the control room, SG-1 is there, and the gate tech tells Jack- No, not Jack. Hammond! (laughs) The gate technician tells Hammond that they're not getting any kind of incoming signal, which apparently makes sense because Hammond also says everyone's Earthside right now. Yes. Wasn't this Pwalter, specifically? Oh, was it Pwalter? I I totally missed it. Yeah. All right, Walter, welcome back. This transcript that I'm looking at doesn't have him named. It just says technician. So he's neither Paul nor Walter in this. But I'm pretty sure it was Walter, if I remember correctly. It's amazing how long he went without a name. Right? (laughs) Yeah, because I think of him as being like such an integral part. And he was in it a lot towards the beginning. And then he disappears and then comes back. And this whole time he hasn't had a name except for Paul, which is later not his name anymore. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, Daniel notices that the iris is not quite working as he expects he's kind of waves his hand at it like metal's not usually wobbly yeah wobbly (laughs) not big iris things anyway (laughs) metal no things metal irises sam says it's losing its integrity and then suddenly a big orange kitty comes through right through the iris (laughs) i was so delighted by that and Sam tells them to hold their fire. <laughs> because killing a cat, not cool or nope. necessary. That would have been horrible. Yes. But could have happened. Could have. Like, anyway. Spoiler alert, Nareem is going to come through in a second. And he was pretty right to assume that if he sent Schrodinger first, they would figure out it was the Tolan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It would be funny if, like, Sam had been reassigned from the Stargate and wasn't there anymore. <laughs> I guess other people also knew he had the cat, like, to pet the cat, pet it, you know, pat the cat in yeah. the last one. But 
Anyway, the, that would be funny. Like the whole SG one team. What if they were like off world? <laughs> yeah, and everyone's who like, knows? what the hell is this cat? <laughs> what is going on? It's an alien! Kill it! Ah, <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Burns. Kill him! Ah, <laughs> oh, it's Schrodinger. Kill him! Oh, no. Not Schrodinger. I don't like my cat, but I like other cats. <laughs> Fortunately, though, no one shot Schrodinger because no. Sam recognized him. And, you know, I'm not sure anyone was ready to kill a cat, but, you know, just in case she told them to hold their fire. Tilk points out the Tolan have the technology to walk through matter, solid matter, and Jack points out, yeah, they don't share it with us because he's bitter. <laughs> Quite. And then Nareem comes through the iris, and he says that he sent Schrodinger so they'd know a friend was coming, but I think he just didn't want to get killed on sight. Yeah. I think you're right with what you said before about Schrodinger essentially being the canary. (laughs) (laughs) Poor kitty. Yeah, it all works out. Hammond says they're welcome and tells the soldiers not to kill him. (laughs) Not in those words, but basically. The team and Hammond have joined him in the gate room. They're happy to see him. He's happy to see them. Nareem is holding a thing. I guess, I don't know if that's the device he used to walk through the walls. I don't know. But I, I noticed he was holding a thing. And... No, it was a different, it was a different thing that had to do with the, with him being required to serve. Oh, the, okay. The trial thing. Okay. I guess it was like their version of a summons. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So Hammond asks why they're here. And he says he's here to deliver a message from their highest governing body. The Tolan Curia wants the presence of SG-1 for Triad, whatever that thing is. Oh, yes. And then he does give him the the device he's holding. Yeah. And Jack's like, I feel like I'm being served. Because you pretty much are. Yeah. <laughs> yep. They're in the debriefing room a little bit later, talking more about what Triad is. And it is essentially a trial. As we would understand it on this planet, although Nareem had never heard that word before. And it turns out that this trial is going to involve Skara. Everyone is surprised and delighted to find out that Skara is actually still alive. I think last they knew that they had actually thought he was probably dead, right? Well, when was the last time they saw him? Was it last time they they saw him was like battle with Apophis. And yeah. And I mean, Apophis survived that, so maybe they just thought maybe he did, but they don't know for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. They're happy to hear that Skara is alive and doing okay. And apparently it is actually Skara who requested their presence at this triad. He wanted their help in defending him in his trial. But we don't really learn a whole lot about what is going to be involved in the triad in this scene, but... It's decided that SG-1 will, in fact, join Nareem back on his homeworld. So that's where we go next. They go through a Stargate and come out on a different planet, as they normally do when they go through a Stargate. <laughs> yes. It's a nice looking place. There's like uh, a lot of green, but also a lot of like fancy buildings. And mm-hmm. It reminded me of the planet with the, the big nasty bugs. Oh, yeah, you're right. Lucky bugs. Yeah. The architecture looked the same. I was wondering if it was actually the same location. It may be. Could be. Who knows? Apparently, the Tolan have so much knowledge that they were able to construct their own Stargate on this planet. Fancy. 
So that's pretty impressive. Yes. Way smarter than we are. Jack, though, says ours is bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Not not Tunarine, because... (laughs) (laughs) Tunarine leads them away from the gate towards a building. Yep. Why do any of these buildings have doors if they can walk through walls? That's a good question. Why do they even have walls? (laughs) To block things? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Keep out the wind, Dable? Maybe they don't like walking through walls unless they have to. Mm, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's uncomfortable or takes a physical toll of some sort. Yeah. Or maybe it's like special technology even among them and not everyone mm. is allowed to use it. Yeah. Also a good point. Could be like a higher ups only thing. Mm. Mm. Or a rich people thing. <laughs> or a rich people thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sadly. That is also possible. Yeah. Next we are in the courthouse. They're walking down a hallway. SG-1 is walking down a hallway following Nareem. There is a weird noise that suddenly emanates from places, and then there are noises coming from their weapons, and it turns out their weapons have all just been disabled. Jack is extremely angry about this, which seemed a little weird to me because I understand his desire to defend themselves, but they're on a friendly planet where... Nobody's going to be trying to harm them on this planet. They don't need to be carrying around these weapons. And none of the locals have weapons either. So I don't even know why they allowed SG-1 to bring the weapons here in the first place, honestly. But I guess because they have this thing that disables them. Yeah. Yeah. They're not really good at diplomacy, the Tolans. No, they're very not. At least not with people who are not on their level. Very much not. Yeah. Yeah. They head into the courtroom after Jack has his little snit outside. There is another Tolan present here. This is the High Chancellor. Her name is Travel, and everybody is introduced. She is honored to have them there and explains a little bit more to them about what is involved in the trial. There are going to be people known as a Seeker, and those are essentially the defendants. The Seeker, that's you. There will be an Archon, which is essentially the lawyer. The only one I've got on my side is the blood-sucking lawyer. <laughs> Thank you. Daniel tells the chancellor that she needs to explain in a little bit more detail about what is involved in this trial. And so she tells them that in addition to to having these the two seekers and the archon that will be there as an interested party for each seeker, there's also going to be a third archon who's going to be completely neutral. And at the end of all the various arguments, then all three of the archons are going to have to vote and see who wins. Why even bother having the two that are defending, like, that are actually sympathetic for one of the Seekers. Obviously, they're going to vote for their Seeker, so why even bother giving them a vote? The Golden Snitch. You catch this, the game's over. Maybe maybe in some circumstances, they're able to convince the other (laughs) side they were just wrong. Maybe, and sucks for that person who is supposed to be... Yeah, it does seem weird. Basically, the third person is a judge. Right. Like, (laughs) but also, she's a judge, so, like, she's, the other one's a decider. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Uh, SG-1 figures that Skara is going to be their seeker, then they're going to be their defendant. And Travel says that Nareem is going to take them all down to see Skara right now. Woo. Yeah. Which they do. They, they head do. down to some kind of cell area. There's a force field they deactivate, and inside there is Skara. Except it's not actually Skara right now. It's Chlorel. And he says, you will pay what you did to my father, Cookie. (laughs) And 
O'Neill's like, Cookie. we didn't bring any cookies. Oh. But then suddenly it's Skara. Yeah. Ah! Because we see that he's got some sort of device on his chest. And it's lit up, sometimes red and sometimes blue. And when it's blue, apparently it's Skara. Which Nareem then explains that this device that the Tolan have devised suppresses the Gould's ability to silence its host so either party could speak at will. And they use the color coding system to make sure that there is no lying happening about who is the actual one speaking. I found it a little bit implausible that Chlorel would allow Skara to speak as much as he did. I mean, I know that the device keeps him from being able to silence Skara, but I would think that Chlorel would be putting forth more effort to kind of like talk over him certain like like a certain presidential candidate in the debates like steamrolling over the people that he was supposed to be debating with inane things and not allowing the other person to ever talk. I've never heard of such a thing. It seems made up. It's totally made up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it does seem a little bit weird. Scar pretty much had free reign to talk whenever yeah. he wanted, which was good, I guess. Yeah, I don't know the reasoning, but here we are. Chlorel, yeah. like, chilled for a bit. He did, surprisingly. Yeah. O'Neill tries to ask for some of these devices, but Nareem's like, no, we still are not sharing our technology with you because you're all uh, primitive. He didn't say that. But that's what he was thinking. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And so he and Skara say hi. It's good to see you. Skara's really happy to see them and knew they would come and help him out and he'll be free. He's been fighting every day against Chlorel. Nareem says Skara needs to choose his Archon. Skara is having trouble deciding between Daniel and Jack, though, because O'Neill is strong and Daniel is wise. So can I have both? And Nareem says, Yes. But they only get one vote between the two of them. Oh. And they're like, that's fine. That's cool. Finally, Daniel's like, hey, what are we deciding here? Because they haven't talked about that yet. Yeah. <laughs> Probably important to know going into yeah. this. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Nareem explains that Gara's ship crashed. Gara says they were fleeing from Harrower's people. And that... His demon knew the Tolans would stop him, and Nareem said, we did. He sounds so regretful when he says this. He's like, he warned them, but they came anyway, yeah. and we were forced to destroy them. Jack is most concerned about the fact that they could knock out two gold motherships with no problem at all, because that's Jack. Yep. <laughs> Rather wishing that they had that technology, it seems. Yeah, yeah. Understandably, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Daniel... Steers the conversation back to Triad. And Nareem explains that they found Skara, who asked them for help to become free from Chlorel. But Chlorel is not going to give up control of Skara. So the Tolans have no choice but to hear both arguments before they decide what to do. And Jack then asks, and Chlorel's Archon is who? End of scene. End of scene. And then we're back in the courtroom. And... Have we seen Lord Zipakna before? Name sounded familiar, but I can't remember if we've actually... Like, I know I've seen the actor in, like, a million different things, yeah. but I couldn't remember if we had actually seen this character anywhere before. I don't... He wasn't... He wasn't one of the ones... No, he wasn't one of the ones who... I don't think we've seen him yet. I think this is the first time we're seeing him. Okay. I'm not sure it's the last time, but it's definitely the first time. Okay. 
So yes, or, it is yeah. it is Lord Zapakna. <laughs> Travel introduces that is going to be acting as the Archon for Chlorel. So, of course, this is gold. He's got a fancy kind of iridescent-y dress on, but that's also covered with like a mesh of beads. And he's dressed up in his finest sandals. Oh, yeah. Which basically were just Birkenstocks. <laughs> Those are pretty fine sandals. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so Zipakna, uh is a Mayan god or oh, cool. demon anyway. They didn't just pull this name out of nowhere. It does exist. His favorite food is crabs. And he was attempting to help some people called, like, I think it was the 400 boys build a shelter. And then they decided, and he wasn't doing this out of the goodness of his heart. He's just super arrogant, which I think they play well in this episode for Zipakna. And so he was going to help them. But then they decided to kill him. But he managed to escape, but then someone else killed him in revenge by, you know, taking advantage of his love of crabs. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's what I got. Back to what you said about Lord Zipakna being really arrogant. I, and the actor doing a really good job of portraying that. I agree. I totally noticed that he had like a a stellar smug face that he used frequently. (laughs) Yeah, it was good. Yeah. So Lord Zapakna comes in and is introduced by Travel. He's going to be defending Clarel, which I think I already said. You might yes. have. Yeah. And then yeah. I cut you off like a monster. Yeah. <laughs> Bitch. Yep. Zapakna says that he wants to speak to Clarel in private. So they're going to let him do that. And Scar slash Clarel go off with Zapakna. The others stay behind. Once they go, Jack gets upset again about their weapons being disabled because he wasn't told that there were going to be Gwauld here. But Travel is insistent that they're just as unarmed as SG-1 is, so nothing is going to happen to them, despite their lack of weapons. Now they, of course, want to know who the third neutral Archon is going to be. Is it going to be some Tolan of some sort? Nope. Surprise guest. It is Laia of the Nox. And so they greet and are happy to see each other again. Hello, Laya. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> it's been so long. No one talks like that. I don't know why I'm doing this. What is happening right now? We missed you. <laughs> Friend. <laughs> so creepy. <laughs> Good. That's what I was aiming for. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Their conversation was actually not that long, but (laughs) I like your take on it. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So they all go back to their, I don't know, their Tauri room. There's an earth symbol hanging on the wall. Yeah. Jack's like, great, Laya's our good friend. It's going to be so easy to win this thing. Daniel's like, not so confident, but meh. (laughs) Sam asks why Jack is so confident. And he says, because Laya is fair and insightful and she likes us. But Daniel points out, Laya likes everyone. That's the (laughs) Nox way. Are they, though? I'd never make it as a Nox. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's nice in theory. 
but mm. there are so many horrible people to not like <laughs> very in true. this world and other worlds probably maybe yeah. at least on this show mm-hmm. and likely in real life yeah it's a big universe it is Jack then turns his attention to Zipakna. There we go. <laughs> and Teal'c just tells him Zipakna was one of Apophis's most loyal underlords. That's it. That's weird to me since Zipakna was, you said, a Mayan yeah. person, but Apophis is obviously based on Egyptian. So interesting that there's a crossover. Yeah, maybe they made some kind like of that. alliance like mm. at some point later. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Could Jack has suspicions about the motivations of Zipakna's uh, being there. With good reason. Right. But they don't get much... They're not able to talk about that further because Noreen comes in and tells them that everyone's waiting for them. So Jack and Daniel go to leave and as they're parting, he tells Sam and Teal'c to keep an eye on Zippy's kids, which are his (laughs) Jaffa. And yep, yep, <laughs> yeah. Zippy's kids sounds like a clown charity or something. I don't it really does. Yeah. There's like a weird cartoon like in the newspaper that's called Zippy, and it's like a creepy guy with like he's bald but has like one hair that he wears a bow on and like an orange, I think it's orange suit. Yeah, and it's weird, and I've never understood it, but that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> I've not encountered this, and I'm not sad about it. Weird-ass cartoon called Zippy. (laughs) Back in the courtroom, Travel speaks more about what's going to happen here and about the trial that is going to be coming up, basically intended to establish who gets to have the rights to Scar's body. Apparently, both have requested sole use of the body. What? (laughs) And uh, so they want to establish... Who has the priority of that claim? <laughs> so that's weird. Yeah. Jack for rightfully says um, maybe the one that it was born to deserves it. But Zipakna, of course, isn't having any of that. And he wants to request that the human contingent follow the decorum that is appropriate since Jack spoke out of turn. Travel agrees. Jack's got to behave himself over there. Zipakna continues that Skara's body was rightfully taken by the Gwauld, and so it's theirs now. <laughs> it's been theirs for three years. It's a Gwauld property. It should stay that way. Jack continues to speak out of turn, so Travel is silencing him. And then Tar- Skara gets a chance to speak. He says that, <laughs> as Jack pointed out he should be arguing. Scar says he was born to that body free of a demon and the demon stole his body and basically his life as well because now he's not going to have the chance to do any of the things that he had wanted to do with his life, like getting married and having a family and just having a life that is his own. God, Scar, there's more to life than babies. Jeez. Right? Seriously. I don't have any and I'm just fine. Just happy with it. Actually, very happy with it. Yeah. <laughs> So see, it's not everything. People, if you wanna, if you wanna have kids, great. If you don't wanna have kids, also great. Yeah, I mean, maybe just yeah. you know, let a let a hagfish inhabit your body, and then you don't have to worry about it. Nope, uh, nope, not gonna do that. Unless you're Apophis, in which case you decide to have a human child anyway for reasons. Right. Can I live with both no child and no hagfish? Because that would be my choice. I I think that we can. 
I don't oh, think that's okay. too much of a problem. Okay. Because for a second scenario. I thought that it was like an either or scenario, and I was like, well, damn it, that's a tough call. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whew. I'm not going to make you choose. Okay. Okay, good. Travel calls on the human archons. Daniel speaks up and asks Skara whether or not his people were slaves when Skara was born, and Skara says no. They were just under the reign of an evil god, you know, <laughs> as tends to happen. Until, of course, SG-1 came and got rid of that evil god for them. Woo! Yeah. Meanwhile, Teal'c and Sam are sneak, sneak, sneaking around following the Jaffa. Before Teal'c and Sam start sneak, sneak, sneaking after the Jaffa, they're actually, like, kind of trying to... Did you notice they were, like, kind of trying to hang out and look discreet? So they were both, like, staring oddly at this spherical sculpture. <laughs> I noticed them standing by the sculpture, but I didn't... Yeah. Oh, no. It, like, to me, it looked like Teal'c was staring directly at the side of it. Oh. And it was weird to me because it was, like, a, the sphere was, like, cut in half and had, like, all different kinds of, like, angles and, uh, like, a hole through the center on the side that is like facing the camera but then as they kind of pan around we see that the side that Teal'c was staring at was just a smooth sphere (laughs) (laughs) and it was silly to me because I was like what the hell are they doing studying this weird statue and why is Teal'c just staring at the side of it and then the Jaffa Uh, marched by and I was like oh okay I see they're trying to be discreet unsuccessful oh yeah yeah (laughs) Although, to be fair, the Jaffa didn't seem to notice them. They for sure did not. (laughs) Back in the courtroom, we get this nice uh, start of the scene shot from above, where you see, like, the table sort of in a semicircle with Travel seated at the center. It's just a really nice looking shot, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Freaksian type of shot. Yeah. Zapakna is uh, asking questions of Skara, and he takes this tack of asking if... The Abedonians hunted and used animals as beasts of burden and for food and clothing, which Skara says yes. And then he throws out a gotcha. Do you also <laughs> eat the flesh of humans? Cookies. And <laughs> Skara's like, never. And then he's like, well, then you make a judgment that animals are of lesser value than humans. I gotcha. You lose. <laughs> but no. <laughs> wasn't quite there, but... <laughs> I mean, he had his smug face on as though there could not be any counter to that argument. That's true. And Scar tries to counter, like, we took care of the animals. We actually worship them. We thank them for the gifts they give us. But Zapakna's like, but you keep them to do your bidding and kill them to survive. And he's like, that's the same with we do with humans when we have the need. And he argues that if a human can take an animal's body and do with it as he pleases... Then so can the Gould with humans. And therefore, the Gould has priority over Skara's body. It's a gross argument. Quite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jack then gets his chance to talk about this argument of Zapakna's. And he calls it flawed in oh so many ways. <laughs> because humans are self-aware is the first thing he says and animals are not. I would argue that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it would also depend on animals, but yeah. Yeah. Although I don't think that the sentience tests that we use nowadays were necessarily even developed yet back then, or if they were, they'd only been used on like one or two different species, oh, okay. but there are lots of animals that have passed the, the yeah. standard mirror test for 
self-awareness and sentience. Also, I think a lot of animals, even if they didn't pass the mirror test, I don't think that means they are not sentient. It no. just means that that's not how their brains work. Yeah. And Zipakna argues that animals aren't sentient because you decide they're not. Just as we decide humans are not. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so they basically, he and Daniel both argue that humans are more advanced. They're smarter than... I think Daniel uses lowercase animals. Yep. Lower cast, but cast. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And I heard lowercase, and then I was like, I think oh, she said cased. But I did. I heard lowercase, like <laughs> yes, like letters. <laughs> I was like, wait, that's right. Lowercase animals. Yeah. <laughs> Small pig, bigger than big pig. You can be a big pig too. <laughs> I don't. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Lowercase bees are definitely smaller than big bees. Yes. Don't want to get stung by those. Anyway, Zapakna continues to argue his point that they are just justifying their own superiority over animals in the same way that the goal will do. He talks about pigs and rats, but pigs and rats are actually both really intelligent. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So he didn't choose well for the animals that he was using as his argument of no although supposedly dumb animals although since my first thought is but pigs are delicious i mean i, I get what he's yeah <laughs> i think pig is actually a good one to go with because pig is intelligent but also one that people have deemed an animal to eat because very true delicious. and i feel bad eating them but bacon is so yummy so i don't eat it as much as i used to but yeah i try not to eat much of it Anyway. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> he's like, our technology is more advanced than yours. We're more intelligent. We have way more knowledge of the universe than you do. And Jack's like, yeah, but you stole that knowledge, which Daniel <laughs> point. yeah, elaborates on that they took human knowledge when they took host. They stole the Stargate technology. They just used that. They didn't make it. So he says they're not more intelligent, just more parasitic, which fair. I think that's yep. a very fair argument. Very good point. But Zapakna is like, no, that's not the point, even though it is. He's like, we got the knowledge and you didn't. Suck it. <laughs> yep. Travel doesn't think this line of argument is very useful and is off topic. But Daniel says that since the gold steal everything they have... They've also stolen Scar's body. Aww. It is a sound argument. Yeah. Jack then takes back over their tag team defense. And I don't know if any of them are. De- I guess it's all defense. Like there's no. But anyway. Yeah. He questions Scara and says, you told me once you'd rather die than live as a gold. And why was that? And Scara says he's, what he suffered is worse than death. And that he can remember what. Chlorel has done, including attempting to kill Daniel, his brother-in-law, and so many other things. Does he know that Aminette is dead, do we think? I don't know. That's a good or question. Or that his sister, Sharae, is dead, rather? Who? Or both? I don't know, because I don't know mm. what, you know... I mean, Apophis knew, right? but he only knew because Sokar wanted to gloat. Yeah. I wish we knew where Ascara had been all this time. Yeah, we don't. We don't. We don't find that out. Yeah. So, Zapakna 
busts out with the BS line that we've heard so many times that nothing of the host survives. Like, that's a big point in his favor. Right. Even though it's yeah. demonstrably <laughs> untrue. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Especially because Scar is clearly so upset yeah. at this point. Yeah. Like, okay, dude. Yep. On the outside surface of the planet, uh, I guess we're only... <laughs> it's all surface on the planet. <laughs> I was editing the one where they're on Natu, so... <laughs> Fair. Yeah. On the outside. There we go. Outside. <laughs> We're back with Sam and Tilk. Oh, I made it. Okay. They are continuing to spy on the Jaffa and they see the Jaffa messing with something. Essentially yeah. just like a building. Yeah. That's that. That's a short scene. It is. Back in the courtroom. The trial continues. Now Daniel wants to speak directly to Zipakna, and they're arguing about the statement that nothing of the host survives, and Daniel wants to know how he would explain Skara having an ability to speak and represent himself if nothing of the host survived, but Zipakna's like, meh, it's just a remnant. It's not actually sentient. It's just leftovers, essentially, of, you know, whatever the personality used to be. But Daniel says, well... That's got to be, he can't speak like that if he is just a remnant. That's not just a remnant of emotions that are left. And Laia speaks up at this point and agrees with him on that and says that, in fact, he spoke well for a supposed remnant. Uh In fact, his words were not those of a remnant personality. Zipakna's in trouble. Right? Yeah. Take that, Zipakna. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess at this point they recess because they're back in their... Towery room. That's what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel and Jack catch up with Sam and Tilk. Sam tells them they might have a problem, and Tilk says that they were following Jaffa and they saw them find six of the Tolan weapon sites. And Sam adds that they think they were doing something to disable them. And therefore, Zipakna is using this whole thing in order to get his people to disable weapons so they can attack the Tolan. That's not good. What? I know. Shocking. Zipakna's got an ulterior motive? Shocking actions for a gold. Very. Yeah. Very shocking and surprising. <laughs> very alarmed. <laughs> Outside, Nareem and Carter are talking, and Nareem is fawning over Sam <laughs> and telling her how much he's missed her. But Carter's trying to explain that a lot's happened to her and she tells him about the blending and how her compli- her feelings are all complicated right now. So she can't get herself into any kind of relationship until she knows which feelings are actually hers versus residual Jolinar feelings. Love triangle, Nareem, Sam, Martooth. Martooth. Oh, man. I love Sam. Yeah. And then, of course, we can throw Jack in yeah. for good measure. Yeah. Because, you know, clearly he's got a crush on her. So. Yeah. Love square. Yep. Yep. Here, now Sam tells Nareem that they were following the Jaffa around, and he is incensed because he was sure that their people were more diplomatic than that. <laughs> but Sam tries to convince him that it was just out of concern, and they actually did see the gold being shady and that... Nareem and his people need to worry about what those Jaffa were doing out there because the gold are 
surely just using this for an ulterior motive as we just talked about. And Nareem is very much unconvinced. He says it would be completely impossible for them to do anything to the weapon system. But Sam still has her concerns. <sighs> Arrogance abounds in this episode. Right? Yeah. I mean, the Tolan were always arrogant yes, the whole time true. as well. So that's nothing new. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just a lot it's of... A, Nareem's, Nareem's resting smug face is not nearly as impressive, though, as the Pachna's resting that smug face. That is true. Maybe it's because of the lack of scorn. Maybe. Yeah, that's probably... That probably is it. <laughs> so, Nareem has told Travel what is going on, and they've all decided to go hang out at one of the weapons. Yay! Yeah. Field trip. Which is why, where you want to have a conversation about this. Yeah. Travel even asked Zipakna about this, and he denied it, and it was offended, which, again, I'm shocked. <laughs> of course. As was right. Jack. So yeah. shocked. <laughs> They've also, though, examined, examined, examined. <laughs> that was close enough. Yeah. They've also examined the, I guess, their cannons that... Sam and Tilk observed the Jaffa hanging out by and found no evidence that anything had been done to them. If if Sam and Hammond got mixed together in a Tuvix style accident and then they eventually got separated, would they be an ex Salmond? <laughs> yes. Thank you. It took me way too long to think of that. <laughs> Now I want to eat salmon. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's fine. Yeah, you you should. (laughs) Sam suggests that perhaps they were painting them, which is apparently a military term to tag it, the thing in some way to make it a target. Travel's like, well, I don't see anything. And Sam says, well, that's not necessarily a physical tag paint. But Travel is, again... Like Nareem, completely unwilling to hear that there's even the possibility that the ghouls are going to attack and that they've done anything to these cannons. Like, she's like, we'll just destroy them. It's fine. And Jack's like, but what if they take out all your weapons simultaneously? And she's like, that's not possible. Yeah, like, she literally is like, it's impossible to do this. It is unsinkable. Yep. But, you know, Herawur didn't take them out with their motherships because it's impossible and nobody else is going to be able to do it either because our technology is so great and <laughs> y'all are dumb. Yeah. So. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, God. It still goes on. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it does. Yes. And then she... <laughs> on and on. <laughs> she basically, like, accuses them of trying to affect the outcome of the triad and calls it a feeble attempt. But they assure her that that is not what they're trying to do. They're just trying to help. And she says, if you go on with this, pursue this matter in any way, you cannot be part of triad and Scar will have to find someone else to represent him or we'll do it for him or whatever. I don't know which they did. And so let's get on with it. Get on with it. <laughs> yes. Let's get on with it. <laughs> That's 
I was just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> SG-1 is in some courtyard elsewhere now. Jack is just telling everybody that they should just stay away from Lord Zapotnik and, and all his people. But Teal'c is still insistent that something bad's going to happen. They really need to keep pursuing this, despite what Travell said about this being impossible. Jack really wants to leave it, but this is like pretty much the one time that we've seen Tilk disagree with him and continue to insist that they're being distracted by this trial with Skara so that the gold can kill a whole bunch more people while everybody is distracted. Jack reminds him that the Tolan brought down a couple of motherships, so really there's got to be nothing to worry about. But Tilk reminds him that the Tolan also are peaceful people and really don't have any method of strategy when it comes to war or conflict of any sort. And he thinks that that could potentially even be a fatal flaw of theirs. And Sam chimes in that it could for sure be their downfall. Finally, Nareem walks up and tells them that Triad is about to resume. Jack reiterates that his orders are to stand down as he leaves. Teal, however, has other ideas. Yes, he does. He goes to see Laia, who was peacefully meditating. If Jack really wanted Teal'c to obey orders, then Jack probably shouldn't have disobeyed orders himself so many times. <laughs> That's true. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Teal'c goes to see Laia. She is not happy to see him because she it is inappropriate for him to contact her while this triad is happening but he promises he is not trying to sway her at all in any way but he needs to talk to her and she says okay but you can't mention Scara or Chlorel or I'm gonna have to report it he tells her that he thinks the ghouls are planning to destroy the Tolan weapon installations there we go <laughs> simultaneously I, I that whole sentence was just full of pauses uh, whatever. <laughs> then after they take out all their weapons, they're just going to destroy them all because it'll, they'll be defenseless. Laya's like, what's this got to do with me? Or what's, yeah, why tell me? Not what's this, oh, what's this got to do with me? <laughs> That's not how she is. That was me projecting not. on her. And he says. She's definitely too altruistic. Yeah. <laughs> Teal'c says that he and Laya are the only ones capable of preventing this tragedy. And she's like, but I'm a, you know, not a warrior at all. And we use illusion for defense. So what? And he's like, oh, no, that's exactly what I want. So Teal's got a plan that involves illusion. Yes. Back in the courtroom, Laia is now late because of her conversation with Teal'c. So she apologizes and they resume the trial. Zipakna tries to now take a different argument that Tolan Law doesn't provide a death penalty, and if they were to take Chlorel from Skara, then that would surely kill Chlorel. So Zipakna wins because, you know, you can't kill him, no death penalty. So there, take that. <laughs> but Jack, of course, states, well, yeah, but if you leave Chlorel in there, then it's Skara who's essentially dying. Zipakna's like, yeah, but. So, <laughs> Zipakna does say that they'll concede the point that there is, in fact, something of the host that survives, but 
you know, it doesn't really matter because Chlorelle needs the host and that's, you know, that's that's pretty much the, the point of his argument <laughs> again. And Jack says, well, yeah, Chlorelle gets to live if he stays where he is, but then the other is a slave. So that's not exactly fair either. So their solution is that Chlorelle should be removed from Skara and they should try to find a volunteer, perhaps, as Lia suggests, who would be willing to take Chlorelle on voluntarily. Uh, obviously, that's what volunteer means. <laughs> who would be willing to take Chlorelle so that they wouldn't have to force somebody to host him. Suddenly, Nareem comes in and she is not happy that Nareem is invading this supposed closed door trial. If they really didn't want people in, they should lock the doors. Right? Exactly. God. Yeah. So Nareem has come to tell them that ah, a ghoul mothership is approaching. Whoops. Whoops. Yep. Also, actually, locking the doors wouldn't matter if somebody was really insistent because they can just walk through the walls. Anyway. <laughs> also, sorry. yes, this is also true. <laughs> Good point. I also forgot that. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Maybe, I mean, the doors weren't locked. So I guess it's pointless to lock the doors because people can just walk through walls. Right. Anyway. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there'd be any point to locking any doors or buildings on this planet. Yeah. Travel is uh, not happy. She <laughs> demands the Pacnet explain the presence of this mothership that has appeared in their space. And he's like, my vessel comes in anticipation of our victory. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just coming to give us a ride to our next destination, which doesn't have a Stargate on it conveniently, so that I could have this big ship come and pick me up. There's nothing weird about it. Nope. 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 Nothing to see here. If we were hostile, he says, we would have killed you already. But Travel says your ship's arrival is premature and violates Tolan's space. And if you move any closer, your ship, not him personally, because he's already down there. Before <laughs> Triad ends, they will take out the ship. But Zipakna's like, well, I'm all done with Triad. And she's like, it's not just you, though, dude. How about the other people? <laughs> but O'Neill's like, no, I'm good. Daniel says, I'm fine, too. We're ready. Laya also says she's ready. So Travel calls in Sclorel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And each of the Archons, there we go, Yep. cast their vote. Obviously, Daniel and Jack say yay, Skara. Zipakna says yay, Chlorel. Again, shocking. <laughs> Definitely needed three people for this. For sure. Yep. And Laya casts her vote as well, which she also is in favor of Skara because he was the original owner of the body. Yeah. yeah. She says that living in it as a host and not having your own will is not really a life. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Take that. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to have the Tok'ra come and remove Chlorel from Skara. And then Chlorel will be allowed to go wherever he wants. She locks out Chlorel so he can no longer take control of the Skara's body, even though they're both still in there. <laughs> Sorry, Chlorel. Sucks to yeah, be that you. Was pretty funny too. Yeah. Woohoo! Why can't they remove Tilk's hagfish? If they could remove Scars. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's a different kind of 
bonding or dependence. Yeah, it's definitely a different kind of relationship. But yeah, maybe because the Tok'ra are also gold, they've never thought to consider possibly trying to help the Jaffa in any way. This so they have. Oh, that's right. They are going to the Tok'ra. Yeah. For this. So yeah. they haven't devised a way to like yeah. save the Jaffa from their fate. Fair could be yes, because generally Jaffa are not evil, but yeah. you know. And, you know, not for nothing, but the Tok'ra are pretty arrogant, too. Yeah. <laughs> also true. Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. Yeah. Travel dismisses Zapakna, who grabs a uh, communication device he's stashed underneath his table and says something in Hagfish. Cookie. He did say cookie. <laughs> Teal'c attacks him. They have a little scuffle. Zapakna goes down i think eventually mm-hmm. yeah, yeah eventually the team runs out of the room wow they really just scattered yeah jack tells uh scar to wait in a room for them while they move on yep true yeah outside now it is jack taking the turn to be smug how's your technology looking now <laughs> <laughs> he asks Nareem. <laughs> Security system serving you pretty good. <laughs> Continuing to rub it in more. We're seeing these beams of light coming down from the sky, which is apparently the mothership locking on to all of the the security cannons, the ion cannons. So that's probably not going to be so good. No. And then there's a bolt of energy and all of those ion cannons are destroyed. <laughs> Oops. Whoops. Gold gliders come in and start firing on all of the other individual buildings now that are remaining. Everybody runs. I was wondering why Laia didn't make them invisible, but I guess they still would have needed to be running because they weren't being fired on directly, I guess. Maybe. Nareem is off to inform Travel of what's happening. I would imagine that by now she could hear <laughs> what is happening. <laughs> Whatever. Tilk notices that the Zapaknas escaped through the Stargate, so they're not going to be able to catch up with him anytime soon. And Jack isn't really sure why Tilk isn't more concerned than he is. And this is when J- Tilk tells takes the chance to reveal his plan and also reveals that he disregarded Jack's orders. Jack wants a little bit of an explanation to that. And so it turns out that there is actually one more ion cannon. Laia hit it with her invisibility powers, so it was never tagged, and it was never destroyed. That is convenient. Yes. Two gliders start to come in, and Tilk is surprised that the ion cannon that they are conveniently standing right next to, (laughs) the one remaining ion cannon, just so happened to all be gathered at it. Tilk is concerned that it's not already firing, so he adjusts the controls a little bit, it starts to work, and then the two gliders are gone, and then it fires into the sky, and now the mothership is also gone. So I guess it doesn't really matter that Zapakna got away anyway, because now he's dead, despite that. No, but didn't he escape through the Stargate? So he went to a different planet. Oh, I thought he gated up to his ship because the ships have gates on them. I, yeah, but I think they're in too close proximity to the planet, so they would mm. both be the same gate address. Mm, could be. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. He would have ringed out. You're probably right. Yeah. You right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So never mind. He's not dead. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Everything's fine. Good. I can't wait to see that arrogant face again. Woo. I definitely don't want to slap it. Definitely not. 
<laughs> it was a good thing Teal knew how to use the Tolan's ion cannons, right? Good job, Tilk. Yeah. Being so primitive and all. <laughs> and also, Lyra looked very uncomfortable as yes. that thing got shot out of the sky. Yes, she did. Well, yeah. Well, we they are pacifists. They are. So in this next scene. <laughs> yes. So back, they, they head back to the courthouse and meet up with Travel. And she is like, you disregarded my warnings. Jack says he disregarded mine too. Good job, Tilk. <laughs> and she says, well, if you were one of my subjects, I'd have to discipline you. But since you're not, thanks, dude. <laughs> she doesn't say thanks, but she makes a gesture of thanks. Yeah, that's the implication, yeah. yeah. Tilk says, couldn't have done it without Lya. And Jack's like, but aren't the Nox pacifists? And Lya's like, I just hid the weapon. I didn't shoot anybody. <laughs> Sam calls that a pretty fine line she didn't cross. Lya agrees. She seems a bit uncomfortable when she agrees with that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Jack then gets Travel to admit they are indebted to the people of Earth. And maybe now time to give us the plans for one of these ion cannons? Weapons, please. Yeah. She's like, we still have a policy in place. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to need to talk to a manager. Even above me. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel comes in to tell them that the Tok'ra have completed their procedure. I don't know how long after this this was. The attack, yeah, no but- idea. It was long enough that Tok'ra arrived and stuck Chlorel in a vat and are going to send him off to a gold world. Skara comes in then and is really happy to see Jack and Jack's really happy to see him. They hug. He's, you know, happy and thankful for everybody. Everybody hugs and shakes hands. Ha ha ha. Happy ending. And then we never see Skara again. <laughs> is that true? It might be true. I think it is true. <laughs> I don't remember him ever coming back after that. That might be true. I mean, sure they have no reason to go to Abydos anymore. Shuri's dead. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Anyway. Did you like the episode? I I did like the episode. I think that... I don't think that it was... Uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? I don't think it was suspenseful in the sense that... Yeah. I think we all knew what the outcome was going to be. There was no way right. they were going to successfully argue that Chlorel should stay in <laughs> Scara. Like, that just doesn't make any sense given the characters involved in this. Right. That would have been a surprising take on that. Because both the Tolan and the Nox, while pacifists, are also, like, reasonable people who are not slaveholders so i i don't think it was super suspenseful but i i enjoyed like the back and forth with the gold and i enjoy an episode where i get to love to hate a character like with uh, right uh oh my god zapakna zapakna thank you yeah he was an enjoyable person to hate yes uh so i like that and i like seeing uh schrodinger again <gasps> i wish he was in it more Me that was too. my only regret about schrodinger he should have been one of the archons he really should have. That would have been great. He would have been uh, impartial. But then he would have just batted Sclerol off a table. And then that would have been the end of it. It wouldn't matter anymore. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Teehee, being naughty. Get some paper towels. <laughs> 
but yeah, no. So I found it. I found it a fun, uh, well, fun and a good episode to yeah hate the gold and. It was nice after losing Share that at least they got some happy resolution from yeah. the thing that the events of the the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah, I actually did like the episode a lot, despite the fact that it was much talking and there were some explosions in it, but not that many. I thought of they were you mostly at the beginning and the end. Yeah, I thought of you at the beginning. I was like, well, at least we got an explosion right off the bat. Good. For yeah, me. it was great. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It reminded me a lot of Measure for Man from um, Star oh, Trek yeah. TNG. Where you essentially have a person that's trying to defend their right to their own body and their own autonomy, essentially. And so I was happy that it worked out for Skara. Again, I didn't really doubt it so much. I, I think that it was interesting arguments that were made by the gold. And then, of course, good arguments that were made by the humans <laughs> to counter those arguments that were made. So yeah, overall, yeah. it was a good episode. And it passed the time well while I was... Sitting in that donation chair. Excellent. Yes. So what is next? I actually already know what's next because I watched the next episode also oh, during my donation. My God. And then also the one after that. But anyway. Holy shit. The- it's, a long, it's a long process. It takes like uh, over an hour and a half. Next, we are watching Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 16, Ergo. SG-1 steps through the Stargate on its way to a paradise planet and ends up at Stargate Command. Hammond tells the team they were gone for 15 hours. That's Netflix. Booklet, what's the Those those are things that happen in that episode. They are. Probably in the very beginning. Maybe even... Yes, that is in fact the first uh, minute. That's like the entire cold open. (laughs) (laughs) And that is it. This one, let's see, the booklet says, En route to a paradise planet, SG-1 is secretly implanted with an alien spore that evolves into a being called Ergo. Though Ergo claims to be friendly, the suspicious team members work fervishly to rid themselves of the creature before it destroys their minds. (laughs) Yes, that is much more detailed. Yes, that that is definitely takes more than just the first minute or two of the episode (laughs) up. Well, even though I've already watched it, I will look forward to chatting about it next week. Yay! Yay! Anything else? No, I think that's it. All right. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already. Again, our episodes are coming out every Wednesday now. Word of mouth is also super helpful for helping other people to find the podcast so that we continue to grow and giving us likes and reviews are also helpful with that and very much appreciated. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram if you would like to follow us over there. And if you'd like to contact us by email, you can go to patreon.com slash stargazing to send us a message by email there. Or you can just email us directly at stargazing at gmail.com. And of course, if you're feeling generous, you can go to patreon.com slash stargazing. You'll still get advanced release of episodes. I have admittedly fallen behind on my behind the scenes updates, but I will be doing that soon. And we are still putting out lots of bonus content over there. I'm Mary. I'm Kathy. And you've been listening to Stargazing The End. The End. (laughs) You sound so serious. It was serious. It was a big fucking deal. (laughs) (laughs) yes
while you were getting your blood done, did you do? Did you watch the rest of Origins too? <laughs> no, because that one I for sure needed a lot more in the way of note taking, since I do not have transcripts ah, for fair. that. So, so I watched that this morning. Nice. Yeah. 